Kirsten. We've served in church leadership for over two decades. And most of that, we've been on staff together. We're here to talk about our faith, family, and ministry. Welcome to Under the Hood. This is my favorite time of year to cook. And so I'm super excited that I get to bake. Fun stuff, because it's the fall. Every time of the year is my favorite time that you cook. <laughs> well, this weekend I'm making apple crisp. It's like, oh, the it makes the house smell amazing. I guess, if you like that kind of stuff. <laughs> Neil loves it, and why, why, are, why are you making Joe apple crisp? Joe hates apple crisp. Well, it's Neil's birthday this weekend, and so That's right. it's, it, it's what he prefers over birthday cake. Years ago, years ago, we abandoned the birthday cake on his birthday because what he really wanted was apple crisp. It's probably his favorite dessert yeah, on the I planet. Yeah, I think like five or six years ago, he decided, Mom, can you just make apple crisp for my birthday? I'm like, it's way easier wants, than making a birthday cake. He wants a pan for himself, and then there's a pan for everybody else. It's he, that's pretty much true. He could eat like an entire pan of apple crisp. And what's so funny is that this apple crisp recipe is amazing. I'll put it in the show notes because it really is a great apple crisp recipe. But um, he would rather have more apples than the crisp. And I would rather have more crisp than the apples. And I would rather have none of it. <laughs> none of it. Ugh. I don't understand that. That's such a weird thing that you don't like. You don't like any fruit or no, apples that's not or true. anything. That's not true. Yes, you, it is. You say that all the time. You say, I don't like fruit. And I'm going to be very clear with whoever's listening to this. I like apples. I like oranges. I like bananas. Mm. I like grapes. Mm. I like your traditional fruit. What I don't what I don't care for is when you cook it. I don't like cooked fruit. I don't. That's, uh, that's, that's not true. <laughs> it is eat, true. Do you eat a peach? No. Well, yes. No, you don't. I. You don't really eat oranges. No, 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 no. I, I like, I like peaches out of a can. I don't like fresh peaches. That's like so weird. Who eats? <laughs> who would prefer fruit out of a can? That's such a weird thing. Ooh, mmm, canned fruit. <laughs> no, no. Listen, here's the deal. So I have. Uh, I don't think it's weird, and I know there's people listening to this right now that that agree with me on this. Maybe not the majority, but there's a minority that do. That um, that they like fruit, they don't like cooking fruit, and like so cobblers, things like that. I, I do not like berries. I have yet to find a berry that I like, and I, I hate strawberries. I don't like strawberries at all. That and strawberries are like a staple no, in no, no, so no. many people's homes. They well, are so delicious, especially the certain you know a very specific time of the year when they're really good. So I, I don't understand. I that. don't care for strawberries. I don't. I don't care for things that rhyme with berries, like cherries. I don't like I, none of that stuff. None of that stuff is good to me. No. Um, I just. It's just. I, it's a texture thing. It's a taste thing. Dessert should be made out of chocolate, and that's the end of the story. It actually. What? <laughs> there should be no fruit desserts. Unless you can't find your chocolate no, unless, in the produce section. No, I will tell you my one of my favorite desserts ever is a banana cream pie. And I love that. And and you you made you make for my birthday every year. Mm-hmm. It's a recipe. It's a Paula Deen recipe. It's called Not Your Mama's Banana Cream Pudding. Yeah, and, and it, it is, is the best. Yeah. Is the best. So I, I like that's a fruit dessert that I love above anything else. Well, I'm I'm kind of the person who thinks in seasons, probably because I like to cook, but so strawberry season is more like April, May. Um, banana season is I do actually make it in the winter for your birthday. And then of course the fall is like all the yummy 
cobblers and apple crisp and stuff like that. But I will say this. When you came into the family, we liked you more because we didn't have to compete with you for strawberries because our my whole family loves strawberries. I will, it is true. Like when I first married in, they looked at me weird. Because you are weird. <laughs> no, they, they were like, we're not sure this marriage is going to work. <laughs> this guy doesn't even like strawberries. But then they turned a corner when they realized that I would never eat anything that they made strawberries. Your mom makes a mean strawberry pie. Strawberry pie. And so when your family found out that that I was never going to eat any of it and there was more for them, I became the golden child. Oh, yeah. I was like, wait, <laughs> oh, yes, Kirsten, you could not have picked a finer husband. I don't for- think that's what they look at you as, maybe. <laughs> I will no, say they don't. this. Our family loves strawberries. My dad grew up in California, and my dad would bring home a pallet. I call it a pallet. I don't know what else it's called, a pallet of strawberries. And we were all just like, oh, this is so amazing. And so I'm going to tell you this one thing that's amazing that our family used to have for dessert, and it's such a great thing. No, 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 no. Don't even say it. (laughs) Don't expose the public. This is disgusting. No. All right. Warning. If you have small children in the room, (laughs) they need to leave the room right now. This is gross. No, no, this is awful. It's honestly, you're, you're listening to you. You, they can't listen to you. You don't even like Starbucks. No, no, this is okay. Go ahead. Tell them, but you're warned. Honestly, it's one of the most simplest and delicious things to eat. And it is going to sound a little odd, so trust me on this. You need to at least try it once, and that's what I tell all my friends. Don't trust her. So get a thing of strawberries, a thing of sour cream, and a thing of brown sugar. And all you do is leave the stem on your strawberry, dip it in sour cream, and then I roll it in brown sugar, and then you eat it. And it is, my sister and I call it Red Heaven. It is so simple and amazing. It's the best dessert ever. And our family would like eat. We'd have a whole tub of sour cream and a bowl of brown sugar. And we would all just be fighting elbows out so that, because it's, it's delicious. When her family does this, I usually just sit in the corner by myself and read a book. I don't even (laughs) want to be in the same room when this is happening. You're like, where's the chocolate? This is gross. It's gross. You know, do you know the first job I ever had involved strawberries? Oh, that's. (laughs) So I was in junior high and um, there was a lot of strawberry farms and their fields around us. And so um, they would hire a lot of seasonal help. And so my neighbor was like, hey, to my brother, you guys want some, you want a job? Make some money? I'm like, yeah, I'm in junior high. And I'm like, yeah, I guess there's no child labor laws when it comes to picking strawberries, I guess. But I did. I, I We went out and we picked strawberries. And to this day, it's the worst job I ever had. The absolute was the worst job I had because my brother and I, they were giving us a row. This long row that went forever, and they just taught us how to pick the strawberries, and they pay you by how many you pick. I mean, it's a fair system, and so, so by I'm out there or the, like count. by the weight, okay. like you weigh, you you have this big tray, right? And so I'm out there, and I'm I'm picking straw, and I'm miserable, and I hate strawberries, and my brother's like on his hands and knees, <laughs> you know, on the row next to me, and I'm like, Tim, how's it going over there? And he'd sit up, and his face is covered in strawberries because he's been eating. <laughs> All, All of his profits. And I think that's technically stealing from the farmer. But he's like, I'm doing good. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember his face was covered in strawberries. And so we spent, I don't know, as a, I'm sure it was not as long as it feels in my memory. But um, we picked this whole row. And it took, felt like half a day. And we go over to the weigh station. They weigh it. And they're doing the calculation. They said, okay, you earned $5. <laughs> $5? <laughs> Five bucks. 
I, I thought for sure I've, I've, you know, uh, anyway, so I called my dad said, come get me. It's over. We're done. <laughs> that was, that was my, I lasted half a day and I probably was 12 or 13 years old. I and, wouldn't want to pick the strawberries that I eat. Cause I do think that that would be pretty labor intensive. If you ever tried to, well, you wouldn't have well, tried I'm to tell you, there's a, There were they're people hard. out there that were so good at it. They, they must've, they made good money cause they were just flying down these rows and, but you know, Hey, I'm going to plead the, I was 12 or 13 years old. It didn't matter. But do you know the, one of the most awkward ministry moments I've ever had involved strawberries? Oh yeah. I remember this. Right out of college. Um, I got hired to do an internship at a church, great church, wonderful experience, great people. Um, it was halfway across the country. So when I graduated from college, my dad and I hopped in my car and we drove all the way out. It took us a couple of days to get there and he was going to drop me off and, and fly home. And so we get there to the church and the whole staff came together to kind of have a welcoming party. And uh, like I said, the great people, great people. There was a lady in the church that owned a restaurant and a very well-known restaurant and everybody loved it. She was known in the church as like the greatest cook on the planet. And she so, was a chef. And so, yeah. so we all come into like the conference room area and there's probably 20 plus people in there. And she had come in and made homemade Belgian waffles. I mean, the whole place just smelled of, this, of these. And then she had taken these fresh strawberries, sliced them. There was like a strawberry glaze that went over these Belgian waffles and homemade whipped cream. And she they were huge huge filled up the whole plate and she served these to the whole staff and the tables were set in a horseshoe and i was like in the front in the middle of the horseshoe and they all sat down and they're like joe start us off oh, and my i look over my dad and he's just smiling from ear to ear and just because he knows I, I i struggle with strawberries but this is where as a minister you just take one for the team you just take it because you just eat it and even though it was really hard i ate that entire Belgian waffle, strawberry waffle with a big smile on my face. I don't feel bad for you. You should feel bad no. for me. No, you know what? I, you know what? Nobody knew that every bite was a struggle. And <laughs> it was. It's not a struggle It for was. Every bite like, was a struggle. Most and amazing thing ever. See, there are things you don't think about if you're not in the ministry. You don't think about, you know, people are so kind and generous. Yeah. And and you don't want to be mean or rude or anything like that. And, and let me tell you, if you take one look at me, you know I don't have a problem with food. I do not have a problem with food. There are very few food items that I don't love. But strawberries, Fruit. strawberries, Fruit. I struggle with. Fruit. And so as we were walking out to the parking lot after that welcome breakfast, my dad just, I was taking him to the airport. He put his arm around him and he's like, I'm proud of you. That was a big man. That, that's a big man to do something like that. I know how much you hate that. He goes, I'm proud of you for eating that and not making a deal out of it. I would have yes. never made a deal out of somebody's generosity. But I had a similar situation with pumpkin pie because I don't like pumpkin. I don't like. Now, pumpkin pie is awesome. This I love season, pumpkin everybody pie. loves like pumpkin spice and all that. And I and I don't. And um, we went to someone's house when the same ministry, that same internship, in um, we went to their house for Thanksgiving and they served pumpkin pie. Luckily, we left the table. I remember we that sitting. because they turned away and walked out of the room, and you slid your piece and over to me, like eat that hey, fast. Thanks for telling my story. <laughs> I forgot all about I'm that. Start telling your story. This is why I have a weight problem, y'all. I was like, I cannot eat this. Like, no, I, I won't. Eat it, it just dawned on me. Yeah, here. Being in the ministry, there's occupational hazards that come, <laughs> and this is it right here. So they turned and looked away, and you slid. And I remember taking three or four big bites out of it. This has probably happened several times in our marriage. I'm like, I'm not eating this. <laughs> And if we're not going to be rude, you're going to have to. I forgot all about that. Yeah. No, I, I can't do pumpkin pie. I don't do spice cake, stuff like that. But I do love apples. I love cobblers. And so See, and I'm, I can't, I'm making I can't handle apple, apple pie. crisp and it's, 
It's such a great. I think apples is the one cooked fruit that I struggle with the most. I love apples, but when you cook it. Yeah, what what is it like going down your throat? I'll just be honest with you. It's a texture thing. It feels like I'm eating slugs going down my... It's like... We just don't feel bad for you. And you know, this was another awkward ministry moment. Um, This was was during my student ministry days when I was still at Ozark. And and I would travel to this church every weekend. The people were so kind and generous there too. Another wonderful experience. But we had a guy, he was a recent widower at our church. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Joe, I want to have you over to my house for lunch. I'm like, praise the Lord. Let's do it. And, And he cooks this... Bread. We could have fed 25 people. Didn't he have like roast and mashed potatoes? Roast and, and mashed potatoes and everything. And, and he just kept filling my plate. I'm like, I'm good. No, no, you're a growing boy and you need more. <laughs> and like, then we kept putting on, and you guys think I'm just have, you know, I'm telling you, there's a reason why I struggle with my weight. No, you need more of that. And so uh, I would, I, I ate more and more. And finally, I was so <laughs> stuffed. I am so stuffed. And he goes, you ready for dessert? And I said, no. And he goes, I made a, a homemade, homemade apple, apple pie. And I'm like, Lord, give me strength. <laughs> and and so, because not only was I stuffed. It was just the two of you, no, wasn't it? he picked these apples off trees in his backyard. <laughs> <laughs> and so he brings out this pie and it's still and hot. How do you say no to that? And he, and he goes, and of course, so I'm struggling. I'm already stuffed. I, I hate apple pie. And and he goes, how about a piece? And I'm in, and listen, I do not want to offend anybody. I never want to right. do that. And so um, I'm like, I'll take a small sliver. And you know what he does? He cuts the entire pie in four pieces. <laughs> boom, boom. He serves me a quarter pie. A quarter pie. Of apples. And it's just me and him in his living room. <laughs> And and so then he's like, "Do you want some ice cream with that?" And I'm like, "Yep." <laughs> I need a gallon. <laughs> I need multiple scoops because some's got to wash this down. And that to this day is the most full I have ever been in my entire life. I remember that so well. I hurt. I, I had about a two hour drive back to campus. <laughs> Did you make it? Oh, I was, I was, I mean, and it's just a weird emotion. So it poses I'm, a question. I'm happy with their, I'm so overwhelmed by generosity. But it poses but a I'm question, just like, what is the right thing to do then in that situation to say, I don't care for it? No, serve chocolate. So we're continuing right along with our Exodus series, and I can just tell you, I am really enjoying it, um, even more so than I thought. I mean, and I've been looking forward to this series for a long time, but what I'm really, really enjoying a lot is, is my dialogue I'm having with people when they're telling me the things that they're learning or how their eyes have kind of been open to, you know, this for many Christians familiar story, but they're seeing it with a fresh, through fresh lenses. And I, and I'm excited to hear our, our life groups are having great discussions about this. And, and people come up and say things like, like, man, I never knew that. Or I thought I knew this story, but I, I, I didn't know that detail. And somebody said to me the other day that they had, um, they're very familiar with this whole account of Exodus, but they never really made the connection that this was also God casting down judgment on all the false gods. Like it says in in uh, in uh, Exodus 12, 12, where God said, I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. And so now seeing these plagues is God obliterating all these beliefs that the Egyptians had. And um, that's been kind of remarkable eye-opener for a number of folks. And, mm-hmm. and it's kind of brought this whole thing back to life. So... 
yeah, it, it's been a good series so far, and uh, we're just getting into, well, we dealt with two things, really, this weekend. We dealt with Pharaoh's hard heart, mm-hmm. and I know that was something that uh, we were going to have to deal with, and it was going to take some time, and, and I think your feedback from Sunday's message was, man, you felt like that part was a little long. It carried on too far. <laughs> so here, here's Well, something. I always say you're long, but that's, well, you know, well, I'll tell, I'll I'm tell just you. saying that I think you were just trying to be thorough and explain it so that people did not didn't walk away confused. And as sometimes you've you've had that experience before where people if you just hit on something just a little bit and then they're they have more questions. Oh, that's a bad day. Thorough. That is a bad day if the people leave more confused <laughs> than when they walked in. No, I didn't do my job all, right. I feel like you're always very thorough well, and I, you're and I appreciate your feedback yeah. a lot. And I'll I'll just so you guys know, here's a little under the hood moment. I'll always ask Kirsten, like, well, what do you think about that? How do you think this point went over? I'm brutally or, honest. You are brutal. Anyone has not already found out. <laughs> I'm brutally honest. <laughs> yeah. But I I just don't feel like, you know, you should. No, the hard, I think the hard, the hard feedback, the hard feedback is when you say, dude, I don't think you should have said that. <laughs> Um, when you talk about stuff in my refrigerator being moldy, yeah. That I, was a bad moment for me. That was not cool. That was a bad moment. He no. doesn't usually use us as Do you a, want to tell everybody what happened? Yeah. Okay, so this was a young married man mistake. So I'm telling I think Illust- we'd been married like, what, two or three we years. We were in Illinois at the time. Yeah. So I was preaching, and I thought I had the perfect illustration. I don't remember the point anymore. Because <laughs> it but, didn't make sense. But the, but the illustration was something about when you find food in your refrigerator that had mold on it. And I told the story about how I went to our refrigerator, and I found an item that, had, that was covered in mold and had to throw it out. Well... This was me not thinking. I was like, rude. You were mortified. I was like, okay, that only says what kind of a wife you have that doesn't clean out the refrigerator or doesn't like all you I know, utilize all the food in the refrigerator I got the, effectively. I got the stink eye from several women in the church after that. I'm like, what? What did I do wrong? And they're like, no, you shouldn't have done that. And I, so you were so they embarrassed. They my back. After, yeah, they did have your back. But after church, you. I was like, do not use my refrigerator. Do not ever talk about anything in our refrigerator ever again that has mold on it publicly in a sermon because it makes me look bad. And I'm like, I am so sorry. I had no idea. So if you're, if you're newly married out there and And you ever find yourself, um, you know, talking about moldy stuff in your refrigerator, make sure you don't paint your wife in a bad light. It's a reflection on me. I felt You felt it was was, a personal reflection. But I don't typically get personally offended. And I was, that was like, what, 17, 18 years ago, 19 years ago. Here we are 23 years into it. I think we got thicker skin and tougher skin now. You can talk all about it. There's a lot of moldy stuff in my refrigerator now. (laughs) (laughs) Very blunt with each other. So no, you know, I, I appreciate your feedback a whole lot more, probably more than anybody else. And um, because you're raw and honest with me about that work that didn't work. So it doesn't and that doesn't happen very often where I say, "Ooh, I don't think you should have said that. There are times where you'll like pull some kind of joke. I'm like, did you really say that? You preach four times in a weekend and some services you'll say certain things. And yeah, they they try to I try to make them as close to each other as possible. But but some I think it's impossible to preach four times in a row and they'd be identical. You know, you know, um. You know, Brock, I, I, it means a lot to when my children give me feedback yeah. without me asking. Because then they're listening. And so um, I didn't see this text message till after church, but Brock, a week before last, was uh, not feeling well. And so he stayed home and he watched 
online. Yeah, on YouTube. You know, and and I didn't have to force him to. He did it, and I was glad he did it. So I found a text message on my phone. I made a comment off the cuff. I didn't think about it. It was just an off the cuff comment in that sermon. Um, it wasn't in my notes or nothing. It just hit me in the moment. But I was talking about hey, had I been Pharaoh. Had I been Pharaoh and and if I was Pharaoh Joe and da 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 and he found it hilarious. He texted me right away during my sermon and he's like, ha ha, Pharaoh Joe. And and, and I'm like, this Brock's my 14 year old. And so at that afternoon I got home and he called me Pharaoh Joe. And That's uh, funny. I, I, I didn't like even that. know that. No, That's he so did. Funny. I didn't get the text. Well, I don't look at my text messages during service. But you uh, don't while you're preaching, you don't look I think at that'd be a little and, awkward. It'd oh, be a little who awkward. No, I have my phone pretty much off during church. I, yeah. I don't pay well, attention. Well, you'd have to because sometimes there's we've had some group conversations about your sermon so while wear, it's happening so live. I, be most of the fun. time I wear an Apple Watch, and uh, I've stopped wearing it on Sundays for the most part because when I look at it, it sometimes doesn't always illuminate, and I think it looks very awkward when I'm checking my watch while I'm preaching. you got to check your time So I have a watch. you're usually over. No, I'm net what? So, so I wear a watch that I can just, it's an old, it's just a cheapy watch with a big face on it. And I can just look at it and it's really quick right. and easy. But when I first got my Apple watch, I didn't know how anything worked on it. I think I'd got it the day before. I didn't even know how to silence the watch. Oh, and dear. so the Apple watch dings every time you get a text message and somebody, and I was in a part of a group, probably, probably our li- a life group. Our life group. Yeah, they all started texting each other. So in the middle of my sermon, it's like, ding, ding. Ding, 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 and it <laughs> vibrates. Preaching. And I'm trying to preach. I'm like, what in the world? We're probably trying to figure out lunch. And, for and, and I'm trying to preach and act like I, and I'm trying to tap my watch going, how do I shut this off? And it dinged for like 10 minutes. I couldn't figure it out. I was so distracted. Anyway, it's, I figured. Anyway, so coming back to this, I, yeah. I appreciate your feedback. And, and I tried to, as clearly as possible, talk about what is it going on with Pharaoh's hard heart. And, you know, I'll just tell you where I landed. It's where my study leads me is that he was our, God didn't make him evil. God didn't make him have a hard heart. Pharaoh already had a hard heart. And he even says that um, when God called Moses mm-hmm. in the burning bush, he, he's not going to let you go unless a heavy hand compels him. And so, and even after everything, even after all the reasons for Pharaoh to turn his heart to God, after he watched his army get obliterated and his country destroyed and he loses his firstborn son, he still had a hard heart. Mm-hmm. So God didn't make him that way. He was already that way. But God was God was enacting his judgment on all the false gods of Egypt. He was obliterating people's beliefs. And that had to be done in a certain timing. So mm-hmm. it says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Mm-hmm. It was already hard, but man, he was like, no, no, no. It's not time for you to relent yet. It's not time for you to let the people go. This has to play out. Yeah, and his it, upper story. So you used a clip, though, in your message this last weekend. and what The was, Prince of Egypt. Yeah, the Prince of Egypt. We need to watch that whole thing. I thought it was really good because it added so much, and it was more about um, the Nile turning to blood. Well, I mean, it's a cartoon, but it's pretty well done. I mean, it's Hollywood. Well, but, you yeah. know, it, it for the most part, it got the major pieces of the story, and then we turned around and read it right from the Bible. Well, but- it was really cool because you and I had talked about you possibly using it. And then someone texted us and said, Hey, I think you should maybe consider this, you know, illustration here. And so then you ended up using the illustration. That's what I like to call like the unity of the spirit. So when I have an idea and somebody backs it up and they're like, Hey, you you ought to use a clip from this movie. And I'm like, I already have it in my notes to use it. it, it, It's verification. We should use that clip. And it helps people because a person, I'm a very visual person and that's how I learn. And so it was really cool to, to add that clip. So if you haven't seen it, which we haven't seen it, 
Not the right. whole thing. I've seen I've seen good chunks of it. Chunks but. of it. So, but that was that was where my discussion with you this last week was about where did people get water then when everything turned to blood? Mm-hmm. Where did they? What did they drink? And I know some life groups have talked about this too because you can't. I checked with uh, Siri on my <laughs> phone. <laughs> hey Google. She and I had a conversation. <laughs> Of um, uh, how many days can you live so without you had a, water? You had a conversation so with Siri your phone. Siri and I were talking, and she said you can only live three to five days without water. So where did these? What did they drink? Brock and I were saying they must have milked all their cows, and they had cow's milk. Yeah, but what milk. did the cows drink? Uh, that yeah. I mean, I mean, it would have gone on for a little while. I uh, can a cow live more than three to five days without water. Well, you know, I know, I know I don't start, I start feeling bad if I haven't had enough water in one day. And I, start, I can't imagine. And free. I start feeling bad if I don't have a Diet Coke <laughs> sometime did. in the morning or I, in the afternoon. I promise you they didn't have Diet Coke. How do you then. know that? The Egyptians were smart. Well, so what did they drink? Seriously. Like, cause the, we were sitting there in, in the service and I actually got to sit with both my boys in the service this weekend, which doesn't happen very often. And we were like going, well, what, what do they drink? You didn't go there. We wanted you to go there. We wanted you to discuss Well, and this. I think you're bringing it up, I think, one of many questions that, you know, the Bible doesn't fill in all the details for us. There's just a lot of things. Here, here's all we know. It just says at the end of chapter 7 mm-hmm. um, that the Egyptians dug along the Nile to get drinking water. But did they get it? Well, it never says they were successful, but it doesn't say they were not successful. And it just says, because they could not drink the water of the river. And then it says the very next verse, verse 25, seven days passed after the Lord struck the Nile. And that's what introduced the next plague of the frogs. What it doesn't say is that, you know, did the Nile clear up? Right. And when? You know, it, it did, did after seven days, did, did it go back to normal? Was it always blood? And, you know, I, and again, I feel like I'm pretty familiar with Exodus. I'm familiar with the Bible. I'm, I don't recall any, anywhere else. And that, you know, this, you know, just something I, there are times that I'll try to figure out and, and, and much later, like somewhere else in the Bible mm-hmm. reveals the, I have answer. not, you know, I haven't found the well, answer. Because the, if you, if you think about it, you were talking about the stink. Yeah. And the dead fish. The dead fish. But what about death of people too? Just be, if they didn't, they didn't say the Bible doesn't say. And so I, I start imagining more to it because the complications in our culture right now, if that were to happen, it complicates everything. Oh, yeah. It's like this, you know, ripple effect. And so, well, I, I, I can tell you that most Bible scholars view the first two plagues the, the Nile to blood and the frogs, as they call it more nuisance plagues. They weren't the same level of devastation that the other plagues yeah. brought. But these so were more. Would you rather have uh, our little sugar creek turn to blood or have the plague of frogs? Well, since I don't drink from Little Sugar Creek and I. <laughs> that's not our water source. No, I. And <laughs> that's a weird question. I know. That's how I, my brain thinks. Like, if we were to have that plague now, which one would I rather like well, be okay I, with? I'd rather just surrender and submit to God and well, avoid yeah. any plagues whatsoever. But the, the, coming back to your question. Coming back to your question. Here, you should answer my question. Frogs or blood? Frog legs are pretty good. <laughs> I, I, I eat those frogs. I mean, have you ever had a good frog you leg? You have never had a frog leg. Yes, I have. Baloney. No, no, no. I, it was at a church pot. <laughs> <laughs> That's serious. 
I'm totally dead serious. Like I'm full circle. No. <laughs> It no, uh, who brings frog legs to a church? It wasn't. It wasn't. I'm telling you, this is why okay, I don't eat You never know when you're going to be served a frog leg. <laughs> Golly. It was not like your typical church potluck. It was um, a family member of mine who was serving a church up in Iowa, and we were up there visiting, and, and their church did a frog leg corn boil. Come on, No, man. and to this day, that was the best sweet corn that I've ever had in my life. It was like eating candy. I have never had corn mm-hmm. taste so good. They had it. Well, they boiled. No, they, they boiled. They do corn well up north. No, I'm serious. That yeah, yes, yeah. they do. But it was a it was the all church corn boil and frog leg thing. Yes. And so they had all these trays. I remember it. I was so much. I was still in high school, I think. But it was and in shock that they were serving frog legs. No, I remember asking, "Is this a real frog leg?" And they're apps, and it looked like a frog. Leg. I mean, it was. Yes, it was. A, it was at a church Who does event. This stuff? Who Christians in this Iowa stuff? do this stuff. I'm from Iowa, and I've never had a frog. frog <laughs> Thank you, Abby. No, Abby. Thank Come you. on. But I'll, I'm with you on the sweet corn. But I will say, this must have started your. We we when we first were married, and I'm from Illinois. I know that's a problem, but I ha- I cannot tell you how many times we drove through a cornfield, and and Joe's like, "Do you think this is sweet corn or is it field corn?" And I was like, "Are you come on?" No, I can't remember even the question you would ask, but I'm like, "Joe, it's a joke, it's a joke." So when we have corn on the cob at the house, I will say, "Is this sweet corn or field corn?" And yes. you roll your eyes, and I'm like, "They only." Sweet corn on the table. Why would we eat field corn like the cows? Now, Abby, so being from Iowa mm-hmm. and growing up on a farm, mm-hmm. you've probably had some of the best sweet corn you've ever had in your life. Oh, yeah. They don't have, it's not the same down here, is it? Oh, no. It's not the same anywhere else. Right. Right. It, I agree with you. I, I, we need to have, we have I've to spent have very little time in my life in Iowa. Very little time. And, but that one trip up there and spending that day with that one church. And they had the sweet corn frog leg boil. I remember that corn. It was such a lasting impression on me. It was like eating dessert. It was so good. Back to the frog legs. What <laughs> church does this? And Churches in Iowa. And so you chose. No, no. <laughs> One church in Iowa. She's like defending Iowa. It's a now. different kind of Christian up there. <laughs> I, I just want to be part of the planning team who thought, hey, we should do a corn boil and a frog leg boil. Like, I would have been the person in the meeting going, we're not doing that. That We have to shut that stuff down. That's weird. Well, see, you're. It, you know what? My memory of it was very positive, so it it was like because of the corn. You talked about the corn, not the frog. Legs. Yeah, but I also ate. I ate frog. But if we had a plague of frogs, that's like frogs all over the windows, the doors. You go outside. Oh, it was. They were and everywhere. You'd have to the, step on frogs. Yeah. They'd hop on your face and hang from your ears. That would be like more. I don't know. That's. So what would be worse is that it says at the very end of chapter or in the middle of chapter eight, it says that uh, that uh, the. Moses prayed. Pharaoh asked him to pray and have God reverse it. And they kind of figured it out. And it says, the frogs died in the houses, in the courtyards, and in the fields. They were piled into heaps, and the land reeked of them. See, that's the thing is the smell. And locally here, we had- So they had, got dead fish and dead frog. Locally here, we had a, a thing that stunk. Uh, it was like a burn. The stump dump. The stump dump. And I remember that being such a big deal because of the smell in the area. Well, the- 
and the toxins that it released. But in our homes, we can go in and shut our doors and close off. Back then, they didn't have homes like we have now. So they couldn't get away from it. Like we can like shut our windows, change the way our air filters, you know, into the home and everything. And they couldn't get away from the smells like the Nile with the blood. It smelled frogs, dead frogs, death smells. They couldn't get away from it. Well, and again, again, believe it or not, as horrible as that sounds, you know, and it is, they're still more, they're they're not as harsh as the rest of the plagues that are coming. That's right. why, like I said, most Bible scholars call them nuisance plagues. Yeah. They, it was a nuisance to people's lives. But coming back to your answer, to your question, where did they get the drinking? Where did they yeah. get the water? You have to have water survive, you know? Um, Three to five days. So that's why I'm thinking if this was a seven day thing. So like I said, there's things we don't know. So how long did and they the, couldn't go to Walmart and get it by a jug of water? No, they, no, they could not. Um, or the gas station. Well, you, I don't, <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure they don't have gas stations in ancient <laughs> Egypt. But so I think that's a correct statement. Got to fill up the donkey. Uh, the fact checkers don't need to come out on that one. So, but all we know is it says in verse 24, the Egyptians dug along the Nile to get drinking water. Were they successful? Were they not? I think the. I, I'm assuming they were successful. And there's all different kind of ideas about. Well, was it some kind of filtering trench that they created? I don't. And that also adds a lot of other questions. And they're just things that people are going to speculate. You know, there's a whole there's a whole theory out there that these weren't really miraculous at all, but that the mm-hmm. something else turned the water and that caused the frogs to jump out mm-hmm. and the fish to die and that caused the flies to come. And I don't believe that for a second. Yeah. I believe in the supernatural. I believe in the it was a miracle of God and and you cannot in any way, shape, or form, does any of the Exodus story make sense without God's intervening hand in a miraculous way? So when it says the water turned to blood, I believe that 100% with all of my heart that it wasn't some kind of reaction to the algae that created a red color and that they were... No, that was blood. And it was a particularly nasty, stinky, awful thing. And and what I think the verse that really stands out to me more than... That other stuff is um, this little detail um, in verse um, in verse uh, nineteen, where it, Aaron stretched out his hand, and it says all the streams and canals and all the ponds and rever- reservoirs, basically where they stored their water, right. that turned to blood. And then it said blood was everywhere in Egypt, even in vessels of wood and stone. That's, that's what makes that's, me think that everything, because there's water in vessels of like. If they had or an orange or an apple, or I mean, our our human bodies are made up of most the majority of water. So, like, what was excluded from that? Well, you know, I I read a lot of commentaries. I do a ton of research. You know, I do a lot, and and that that wood and stone caught my attention in mm-hmm. the study. And I was like, what is that exactly? Wood and stone, wood and stone. Because they've already talked about reservoirs and all. Uh, what is that wood and stone? And I began to hunt this down. And the other places in the Old Testament where it adds wood and stone together was in reference to idols. Idols. Now, it doesn't say that specifically here, but you can kind of imply it. And, um, and, um, and I found one commentary writer who... Um, who also pulled out this detail, like what in the world is that? And um, anyway, it was, I think they're idols. You know, I think there's evidence out there that they would wash their idols every day. Their idols were made of wood and stone. I mean, this it's plausible to me. Yeah. 
and they would wash these idols. And then can you imagine as one of the priests or whatever was washing one of these idols and the water turns to blood as he's watching and you've got water, you know, dripping or blood Blood dripping off these things. So, so blood was everywhere in Egypt. The scripture says, even in vessels of wood and stone. And I'm going, holy cow. I mean, this really is everywhere. And can you imagine if one was just washing their, their idols and, and this whole thing got, I mean, it just, it just kind of blew me away as I was digging into this more that God is really just making a mockery out of all of their, their false beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if their, their idols were turning, you know, to blood, it, I don't know, it, to me, it was just, it was quite the visual when right. I began to think about it. And I, I, there could be that, I mean, yeah. Every other place in the Old Testament where it talks about that wood and stone together, it was in reference to idols. So, um, where are you going with um, next week? Like the next. Well, I was just going to say this that, you know, Deuteronomy 28 36 is one of those references. Uh, Deuteronomy, you know, 28 64 is another one. Mm -hmm. Deuteronomy, you know, uh, 29 17 is another one where um, these wood and stone together and, and, uh, you know, think about it as they poured the, Poured the water on the idols, it turned to blood, and they just drip. I don't know. I uh, can't say for sure that that's exactly what that is, but I think it's God. He's just making a mockery out of these Egyptian deities, which comes back to, I think, the main point of the whole thing is that God's destroying people's worship. What were these people reduced to? They were digging for water. So right. where was their God? Well, they're so they're desperate for water. So they, they worship the river, mm-hmm. and the main God over the river was this God named Hapai. You know, it's H A P I H A P I. Um, I don't know if I'm saying it right. It doesn't feel right to call him Happy. No. So Happy. No. Let's call him. And Hap-I. he was a male gendered god. He had a big Egyptian beard, but he had female breast, and he was pregnant. And I, I, as I'm learning about this Such false god, I'm like, he'd fit right in in the in, in the United States of here. America. Oh yeah. That's it, that. Some people would Sadly. say that's normal. With the way that the way that a lot of uh, people think these days, and uh, the silliness that men can be pregnant and men can be I mean, to me, I think it's it's. I understand people deal with problems, but I'm just, well, there are two genders. There's male and female. That's it. But but the fact that they presented him, this God as a pregnant God because they believe that he was fertility. He yeah. brought fertility into into the well, world. I think someone said to you this week. That it's interesting because the same issues we're having in today's culture, it was. Yeah, yeah. Back Some then. of the conversation after the sermon, somebody, several people said to me, "Isn't it interesting that there's nothing new under the sun? Mm-hmm. They worshipped a god who was male with female body parts and could have babies, represent fertility, and isn't that what some of." Um, very liberal ideology is being pushed mm-hmm. through the media today. That like. And, well, and, I, have a, but, I have an emoji on my iPhone of a man. Pregnant. Isn't that crazy? I'll start calling him happy. But now. the point is, and I didn't even think about this during the sermon. Somebody pointed out to me later, and they're exactly right. There's nothing new under the sun. Yep. That, that these are old regurgitated ideas from years ago, and and you can you can trace back in history this kind of stuff. That it's the same old trick, same old trick, same old. And I I wish I'd have thought about that yeah. when I was doing the sermon. I probably would have said something like well, that. You have you have another chance. They're they're going to let you preach again. I get another shot again. at this. Yeah. That's good. But <laughs> anyway, I do think the big point is, and maybe we can wrap this up with this thought that that um, God is still in the process. He's still in the business of obliterating the false gods of the world. Mm-hmm. We don't call them idols, or we don't really think about it as idol worship. We don't think about it, but of like we worship other deities. But if you really strip down to where you know what a lot of people say, 
they would talk in such a way that maybe they do worship something else or they do idolize something else. And so if God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, his desire for back then is the same desire for people today, that they would acknowledge him as the one true God, that he is the one true God and there is no other. So my huge takeaway from the book of Exodus at this point is our God has not changed at all. And his desire for the Israelites of old is the same desire for Christians today, that he is the Lord and there is no other. And he wants to obliterate anything that would come between you and him. Anything that's going to take your attention and allegiance off of him, anything that's going to want you to pursue something else other than him, he is in the business of obliterating those things that get in the way. He is the one true God, always has been, always will be. That's all for today's show. We want to thank our amazing producer, Abby O'Brien. Be sure to check out our show notes and the links for things that we talked about today. And don't forget to subscribe. Thanks for joining us on Under Under the the Hood. Hood. Not a car show.